I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. Journeying now for 30 years into the life and practice of yoga, I have met many who have taken interesting turns when past extraordinary bumps and reached unexpected places. People with whom I shared conversations about everyday struggles, intimate realizations, larger questions, ideas and dreams. So today, I'm passing on the mic to one of them so we could hear and celebrate the wisdom in people's differences and experiences. Hello, welcome to Outer Travel in a Journey. My name is Alexandra and today I'm sitting down with a good friend of mine who I met in Berlin, Jon Torreson, originally from Iceland. Hello, Jon. Hello, Alexandra. Good to be here. Thank you for coming to the show. Jon, um, yeah, Jon used to live in Iceland and then you found that your health was this declining in various ways, your mental health and your, your physical health almost, or your emotional health, I want to say, not your mental health. He was a very clear person. And that kind of spiraled you to Berlin, and that's where we met. And now you went a little bit further to Portugal to increase what you want to do with your life. That's mm -hmm. how I perceive you. Jun, do you want to talk a little bit what brought you to move away? Well, it was um, um, you know, events in my, in my private life that led to uh, my desire to sort of you know, try to reinvent myself and 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 you know move on with my with my life. So yeah. I I decided to move to I moved to Berlin, and about the, at about around that same time I had some health issues um, that I was struggling with and uh, and got resolved in in Berlin actually. I enjoyed the excellent uh, public health health service in Germany. Mm. Um, and at about the same time, same time, I was introduced to psychedelics. Yes. Were a huge part of my recovery. So I had, basically, to make a long story short, I had lung cancer. Right. And I was already 60 plus, and it's not a great prospect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I and I, con I I considered not doing anything, you know, yes. because I didn't want to. You know, if you get on that wagon, it's very, very difficult to, to get off it again with chemotherapy and what have you. So I, but in the end, I decided that I would have an operation. So I got the tumor was removed. And then I went home with, and somebody provided me with a six-week dose of cannabis oil. So THC. Yes. So I oh, wow. went for six weeks and listened to sacred music and as high as a kite. <laughs> and uh, and um, um, did a very very good recovery, and since I have you know done lots of lots of uh, shamanic uh, sessions with uh, with ayahuasca, which have been very very important for my for my recovery and sort of re. re I mean, it's like you know things like this happen, and and you try to give it meaning. Hmm. It's like, so you know what is this? Why, why is this happening to me? And how can I use this, you know, not to 
not to uh, you know use it to to as an excuse of giving up but as a as a springboard for you know regeneration and that's what i that has been my my mission yeah the reason why i wanted to speak to you on this show is because i think you're one of the few people that i know of who is openly speaking about the use of substances for healing mm -hmm. And which always blew my mind when I came to meet you is the willingness to really go into that part of healing your mind through substances. Mm -hmm. And I would be super curious, how was that for you? A, my first question would be to you, were you familiar with cannabis and ayahuasca, you name it, before you got sick? And if you weren't, how did you trust this path? Well, I, I did a little bit of, uh, you know, exploring uh, in my early twenties, and then life took over, and I, you know, went and had an education and got married and had children and a career, and there was no room for anything except for alcohol, of course, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the most uh, detrimental substance that I've ever used, but. Um, um, around, around about the time that I was diagnosed with cancer, I got introduced to ayahuasca. Actually, it was like six months before oh. I went to my first ayahuasca session in Berlin. Mm. Uh, and I had been made aware of, of this world uh, through a very close relative who um, works with a shaman in Mexico. And I was curious, but I always thought, well, I'm not on my way to South America or to Mexico. So, uh, you know, this was like a, a thing that I didn't think I had uh, access to. But then the opportunity presented itself in Berlin and, and, mm. and I did a, a, a couple of sessions, you know, two days in a row. And it totally opened a new world to me. And I realized, and, and then when, I, when I, I got diagnosed with cancer, I realized that this would be, would be a tool. Well, for one thing, it 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 took away the fear. Mm. So when I when I heard that I had cancer, I thought, okay, so now I already have died in an ayahuasca session, and I know it's not the worst, so I'm not afraid. You know, <sighs> dying is not uh, not something to fear. So I was totally calm, you know, uh, and I think that was one of the, or is in general. I mean, fear. Is, is a terrible, terrible thing because it takes takes over your mind and it can us away at, at everything. Mm. So uh, I think that was, for me, was a very, very uh, fortunate uh, discovery, you know, that, yeah. that uh, dying is not the worst thing. So would you feel that part of you, that you got the diagnosis so close to the sensation the real sensation i had that sensation myself in the session you know that i was dying and i was fighting it fiercely i remember mm -hmm. and i remembered this for a good while that kept me alive but i must say obviously at some point now years on i have come back to this illusion that my life is <laughs> not ending i think this illusion we live a lot of the time in because we need to and mm -hmm. then but you having that first this experience through with the ceremony um, with the plant medicine and then being diagnosed that that was 
necessary for you to to have these two experiences in a row mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is that something that you would yeah you agree obviously on or do you feel you're you're at this point where you consciously consciously notice that dying is part of living i mean we cannot hold that in our consciousness i feel otherwise we cannot live right yeah or yeah it, I mean, it's like it's an integral part and, and i'm thinking in our modern times it's like and we see it now particularly through the whole you know unmentionable virus situation that is yes. as if people think that death is something that can be totally avoided yes you know, we are so risk averse and afraid of you know and like with, with the COVID, i mean the statistical probability of of getting the virus is extremely low but, but the the measures that are being taken are you know outlandish to say the least yeah. i think in general you know it, it, i think uh, we, we, we would benefit from, from uh, you know, a, a bit more of a relaxed view to, to you know, living and, living and dying. I mean, it's not like, a, um, and it totally, it totally changes your, your, it's not like, you know, if you are not afraid of dying, it doesn't necessarily mean that you want to go there, but it mm. makes you more relaxed in, 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 in your approach to, to life. Isn't, let's talk a lot about dying. Is that okay for a moment? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think my own perception and as I reflect that only for myself, but also observe it in others, we're all okay with like, yeah, of course we know we're dying, but we do come in with the, an egotistical intent of when we want to die. You know, I mean, I often talk with my husband about like, oh, I want to get 108, you know, and my husband says like, okay, yeah, I'm going to come up, <laughs> going to come along a little bit of that way. And when we are faced uh, and you have been faced with the scenario of like that you might be dying younger than you intend to, you know, then then that's what scares us, isn't it? Or how do you see this now? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, because of the lucky circumstances that I had done the, uh, the um, couple of ayahuasca sessions, uh, you know, when I got diagnosed, my attitude was, okay, so this is, you know, dying is not the worst. Um, and and so I, I wasn't afraid, which meant that I had the presence of mind to make my own decisions about how I wanted this to evolve. So I did the absolute minimum, you know, although I contemplated doing nothing in terms of, you know, intervention and just seeing how this would develop. And I did the minimum and then I took it. Uh, took it my uh, my own way. I, I I didn't return to the hospital for any. Well, I went for a couple of checkups and and then I just said to the guys, you know, I'm, you know, I don't want any more of this because it puts. I mean, this whole, you know, healthy uh, hospital situation puts you in a in a frame of mind where I didn't want to be. Mm. Um, and I think you know, not. I, I think it's really important not to feel that you're the victim of your circumstances, but you, regardless of what they are, that you can make your, you can take your own decisions. Mm. Don't be, um, you know, you're not a victim. You, you can. Yeah. 
And I agree because if I think about all the people that have come up with healing methods, they have come mm -hmm. out of similar situations like you. And that was to make a choice and to, to embrace death and in embracing it and accepting it and seeing how you want to experience this end of your life as much as possible, mm -hmm. um, they, they started their healing journey. That's the funny thing where we kind of go blind, right? And the moment we feel helpless, we want to get help. Yeah? And, the, mm -hmm. and then that help is somebody, sometimes somebody else taking over your mind and kind of guiding you to something. Mm -hmm. um, while crucial part is your own mental aspect in it, right? Yeah, but I mean, I, I think the the, I mean, if you if you uh, are not um, uh, controlled by by fear, uh, you realize, you know, you see the um, the opportunities, and, you know, and like for me, it meant. It was like an opening to, hmm. um, you know, wanting to experience life, you know, ah. to, to uh, enjoy all the, the good stuff and to be, you know, and to, um, I don't know, it's difficult to explain without something cheesy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but say something cheesy, because I think it's totally, that's what pe why people call it cheesy, but it's so real. Say something cheesy, please. No, it's about, uh, you know, opening your your heart and your mind to all yeah. the, the, you know, the magic of life and the, and the yeah. you know, incredible experiences that you can have and, and people that you meet. And if you are open to it, it's like, well, we have talked about this earlier. It's like, uh, you know, you, you uh, approach things with, a, with an open heart and a, and a positive mind and, and that influences whatever situation you enter. Yeah. And I think it's, not cheesy and the the fact that we both kind of sneak around this um because we're both intellectuals in some form of ways you know the, the fact that we are both not aiming to enter this wording is showing how little even though we've done already both of our fair share of growth you know mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. how little this is respected and this disrespect kind of chases the words back inside instead of saying yes you know i want to live i'm reading this book untamed by um which kind of got into the new york bestseller list and she is kind of saying wake like Lennon doyle she's saying like wake up stop pleasing you know and we're trying i feel this like in in our conversation here for the public we're both kind of still trying to please everybody and not say things that <laughs> aren't allowed to say right um so i i and this is where i wanted to talk to you about you because you are about to say something to the public hopefully in a book yes <laughs> yes about no. things we're not allowed to say and it's not about the heart only hmm. uh, i sometimes joke that you know i live in the future where everything i do is is already legal legal <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think it is very very important, you know, I, and that's why I'm trying to, uh, 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 you know, moderate my statements. So st statements because I don't want to scare people away. Mm. Uh, you, know, you don't want to sound too, you know, woo woo or 
you know, like you're off your rocker. I'm a, I'm a totally normal person. I'm just, you know, I don't have any issues, you know, psychiatric issues or anything. I'm just moderately fucked up by my upbringing yeah. and childhood like everybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have, um, you know, benefited immensely from from using different substances, you know, from, yeah. from ayahuasca to MDMA yeah. and, and experienced their therapeutic uh, uh, benefits. And not only in terms of like, you know, the healing, I mean, there's a limit to how much you can heal, you know, mm -hmm. if you're a relatively normal person, but, but that um, uh, some of these substances, they, they have uh, actually, you know, a concrete uh, effect on your on your brain. Um, you know, like creating new pathways uh, and different types, different parts of your brain start talking together, so you are more open to new experiences and new things. Yeah. And it sort of, well, like you know, we all know. I mean, people grow older. And they get sort of set in their ways, so they know what they like, and they know how they do stuff, and they start excluding new experience and don't want to take on new experiences. I mean, I have yeah. friends who stopped listening to new music when they were in their early thirties, mm. uh, and uh, I I never listened to anything that I listened to before I started doing uh, psychedelics. Yeah, I I, just, I want new music. I want new yeah. experiences. Yeah, I think it's you know taking uh, um, some of these uh, substances they can really help you in opening your you know I think it's the the the, the therapeutic phrase that is used is your default mode network so you know the your brain runs on on like uh, on routines. Yeah, and with with some of the psychedelic or some of the substances, that the default mode network is is downgraded. Mm. So that, and that's also how the therapeutic uh, 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 part of it works, is that you uh, you are able to revisit like you know old traumas or memories and look at them from a different perspective without the fear and the, and the hangups that you, you have associated with them. And that, that is how the healing uh, occurs. Yeah. The big word, I mean, that's how you get, get, can let go of, you know, old luggage, old shit. Yeah, but I think it is the healing part and that is what we all are struggling with. I think many of, I mean, the, my, my podcast, my show is around not so famous people, obviously, but it's about the people, the ordinary people who have their experiences and don't dare to talk about it, even though it's happening for them. And as we are, because I think there's people in the limelight who gone down and under and came out like a phoenix, you know, with really dramatic experiences. And that's why we respect them because of their courage. But I think a lot of us have a lot of courage in in ourselves and we go through it in smaller waves you know like you were going through this in like oh god yeah i've done this part for society i've done my upbringing of kids i contributed to society on a different level in my country and now 
where am I with my life and my experience? Where, why has it gone so stale? And, all, and I hear you saying that part of your life going stale was then this shift where you needed to separate and where you, you also needed not only to separate, but also to become aware of that you have a life and that that life has an end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so the healing as such, or that uh, what they call yoga or becoming one union with, you know, mm -hmm. all the parts of yourself is, mm -hmm. is then to see like, okay, I cannot hold on to these old tricks. What are the new tricks? You know, you talk of letting go and um, that's basically at the root of healing for me and a root of awakening or becoming you know, more connected with what is our innate nature because patterns have helped us to, to go somewhere and then maybe we went down the wrong way and this is where we need to start let go of methods, yeah, yeah. and opinions. Yeah. 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 And it's, and it's uh, I mean, as you, as you, well, for me at least, it, it has meant that I'm much more uh, willing to, to um, uh, look at what I really like and go with that. Uh, you know, to associate with people that I think uh, are, um, um, you know, have energy that I like, you know, uh, that I don't have, you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel as much sense of duty mm. of playing games, uh, you know, social games, uh, pretending mm. to be this, that or the other. It's, it's, it's for me, it's much more about um, the, the emotional and spiritual side of, side of life. Of letting go it's like somebody said you know you spend your half the first half of your life of you know earning money and buying shit and then you can spend the second half of your life getting rid of it and i've been going through that a lot and and, and i've realized that you know um, that um, letting go of like um, like a, um, worldly baggage like you know possessions is immensely freeing yeah, you know, and yeah. I, basically now I have, you know, for for the longest time I had lots of things in storage. You know, I've given it all away. I basically can move with a few boxes with mostly clothes and books, and um, and it's it's very liberating. Yeah, uh, and and to you know instead of focusing on, focusing on gaining worldly possessions, I you know I, I go for experiences and. Uh, uh, um, and uh, exploring. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think for me, I mean, when when I got divorced, it was like for me, it was like the question: Okay, so how does an old guy like me, uh, where do I go from here? Hmm. And and what I saw around me was basically, you know, well, not very not very uplifting, uh, you know. Uh, so I had to find my own way of. You know, because I, I didn't think that this was the end. You know, there would, there, I believed that there would be, you know, more positive and, and, and exciting things to, to live. Yeah. Um, but society is not uh, on that page. I mean, it's like there are so many expectations because you have reached a certain age 
then you're not supposed to do this, that, or the other, you know. Um, and I'm like, you know, fuck that. I, I, do, I do whatever the, the hell I like. And why not? And that... Uh, it hurt anyone? Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, and I say, why not? You know, and I think this is like, my whole interest is to, you know, as much as to, to say that to others at this point in my life is like, when will you ever believe that unique, uniqueness is not true whatever you do in the frames of societies and that there is a place for you, but where uniqueness is everything we adore in other people. Like when we look at Frida Kahlo, I mean, I think of artists and everybody who got, you know, known for the uniqueness. It's not because she was special, but she just trusted that path. And that's what I'm hearing you say. And that you and I, we were framed by moral ethics and upbringing, and we allowed ourselves to be framed by that for a very long time until we came to the point, or you came to the point to say like, you know, let's F this. <laughs> and now since I've died already two times, once in ayahuasca and second through the diagnosis, I might as well do what I do. And this is so liberating. And I think this liberation brought you onto the path of, exploring substances as you call it in your own measurements and, and using it for guidance which is something not a lot of people want to talk about and again maybe you want to uh, say a little bit around your own experimenting and experiencing these these fields of self-exploration and self-guidance yeah and i think that well, we have talked about this earlier but i think you know because now it's all coming, I mean, there's lots of science and research being done and you know, the results are fantastic of how uh, uh, psilocybin and MDMA and different, different substances can, can benefit people who are, in, who are dealing with serious issues. But like I said earlier, I mean, it's it, it also beneficial for people who are not dealing with any serious issues, but just want to grow. Yeah. You know, uh, and I think it's important, and that's what I want to talk to people about. This the is that you can do it yourself. Mm. You know, mushrooms, for instance, they grow more or less all over the world, and they have no idea that they're illegal. So you can go and harvest them. And you know, if you if you know a little bit, if you educate yourself a little bit, you can use this. Uh, you can do mushrooms. Uh, on your own, well, mm. you always have to have a sitter. Yeah. But but I mean, you don't have to go on a on expensive retreats with shamans, and you know you can you can do this stuff as a do-it-yourself, and, and then I wouldn't call it therapy, but it's like, um, well. Yeah, the intention that is behind that. Yeah, I remember Aldous Huxley writing this book on moksha. And mm -hmm. he definitely dabbled in these things before LSD was born. You know, he dabbled in the more natural substances that you mentioned there. And he always did that with his girlfriend, wife as a sitter, because he, the sole exploration of it was to, to figure out what he needs to do next and what mm -hmm. is happening to our consciousness. Mm -hmm. uh, is that a little bit along the lines where you are? landed with your own research i mean i mean you can i mean i've done a lot of a lot of a lot of the shamanic uh, retreats with, with ayahuasca and it's different when you do it on your own 
Um, you know, it's not so uh, intense, and maybe you you know you are a little bit more careful. Uh, but I think that you know there are tremendous benefits to be had if you if you do it in the right. I mean, if you it's all about the set and the setting, and so you know what do you bring to the session? Uh, is the you know that you do it in in, in a secure environment that there is somebody to take care of you, and you have music to play, uh, and you lie down and. And you go into it, you know, wanting to explore either specific issues or just see what what the, what the substance will bring you. Mm. And you can have wonderful experiences. I mean, just in terms of you know beauty and pleasure, and you know the intensity of uh, of the music, or if you, even if you do like like people do, go out in nature, and it can be an incredibly intense and, and giving experience to be out in nature doing doing LSD for instance. Yeah. Uh, but because it opens up all the the your senses and you experience nature at a level of intensity that is that is incredible. Mm. It can be and and it can be and I, I mean not everything has to be so serious. I mean doing psychedelics for fun is, can also be great. <laughs> which a lot of the youth people do these days when I take an E and go and dancing, you know, that is um, something that has become acceptable, non-acceptable in our society, even though it's not allowed, you know, we know that's going on. It's like you said earlier, you know, people know what booze can do to them, you know, like what drink can do to them. And we all started accepting it as a legal drug. And um, and you mentioned earlier that's the worst drug we could take actually because what happens for you when you drink, Jon? Uh, it, it, it disconnects. It's like a sedative, uh, whereas most of the other substances are more about connection. <clears throat> yeah. And for instance, about you know you mentioned uh, E or ecstasy or MDMA yeah. and dancing, and I've done some of that. Uh, and it, to me, it's like a religious experience. You know, mm. you go out on the uh, been to the Boom Festival, yeah. where I was also working in, in harm reduction with uh, with cosmic hair. Mm. I also did a little bit of MDMA and went on to the big dance floor. So you're basically with I don't know thirty thousand people dancing to music that is so loud that your whole body vibrates, and and it's. Um, it's a way of getting out of your head and into your body, mm. and then in, in that way, it's it's very very uh, uplifting and, and liberating. Yeah, and it's it's like a ritual. I mean, it it is a ritual, mm. and I think you, you know, you, I think your your whole body starts vibrating not only to the music but also to the energy of the people around you, and it can be incredibly beautiful. Yeah, totally because. It's a body experience, isn't it? If, if we denying ourselves the body experience, that way, what we talked about earlier as well in this pandemic situation where we can only, where we don't have bodily experiences with other people any longer because we're not allowed to t come too close unless it's a partner. And some people don't have partners, some people don't have kids they can hug uh, because they're in the family. 
we completely disconnecting and losing our body even more. And then when the mind is on it by itself, the ego is by itself. And then the whole kind of monkey show begins, right? Yeah. yeah. And I have, a, I have a very lively monkey show on any given day. So to me, like, like, you know, the dancing scenario is, uh, is a fantastic experience because it's like your mind just quiets down yeah um, and it, it's it's very very uh, uh, giving and this is where ayurveda and yoga is so detrimental in learning and understanding and if you and i don't even mean the classic what we see as yoga these days you know the the body movement but that we ex accept and live through all the sheets of us which are the mind the body the breath you know when you dance you get into coordination with your breath you you just have to allow it to come into existence but mm -hmm. we so many of us are stifled in this area and then to allow the subconscious to come forth to do the trick and that's happened and what you're more or less talking about is that despite you finding the connection with your body the subconscious need, needs to be triggered much more and can be triggered much more through the substances and can unite through all these sheets right i mean it's it's a lot about letting go of you know stop being so controlling yeah you know and and, and that's really i mean if you can do it you can do it in in assessing the substances or you can do it on the on the dance floor or even you don't have to go to the boom festival to experience that you can do it in your own living room basically but but uh, to me that uh, that started reflecting into my daily life mm. so i mean um you know because well, i'm a in my life i've been a little bit you know wanting to control everything and believe that i could hold the sky up or one of the reasons the sky didn't fall down was because i was holding it up with my arms uh, but now I'm much more accepting and willing to accept whatever, uh, you know, it's like this old saying of <clears throat> expectation is the mother of all disappointment, you know, and people have a lot of that going into situations, situations expecting them to be, to unfold in some specific way, mm. instead of just going into the situation, hoping for the best. Mm. in a non-specific way so that you can accept it's not that you don't you stop caring but it's it's about you know because you can never control anyway yeah so it's about you know being open to you know and, and, and taking on what, what be willing to take on whatever happens um and i think for me that was it's one of the big um, uh, lessons that i that I have learned yeah. to not to be so controlling. Oh, and I know so much what you're talking about. And I feel like what's that movie called with Meg Ryan, you know, that famous movie where she, she has this scene in the, in the diner where she fakes an orgasm. Oh, right. Sleepless in Seattle, I think it's called. No, that's a different one. But anyway, what I'm thinking is like how it was made, you know, how endearing that was made that somebody is so controlling about like what she does. She orders all her food separate with the sauce on the side and then love swoops in and love comes in 
to soften her. And that's what I hear you saying, you know, like is the moment you understand that when subconscious and everything comes into sync, it's like a total experience of love. And then when love comes in, you soften and you understand that you don't need to control and that you can let go as you, you call it. Yeah. Hmm. It, but it's different from, from being careless. It's not the same as being careless. Yeah. It, it, but it's, you know, of course you always go uh, one thing, you know, the best. Yeah. But, but, but it's about the non-specificity, if, if that is even a word. You know, not wanting things to be to unfold according to your yeah. agenda. Yeah, it's about respecting outcomes. We might want to go a certain direction, but the con if we are too controlling, then we are con trying to control the outcome, which we cannot always control. And that brings us back to that even science is about being open and curious about the outcome of and um, yeah i mean it's like you know for example i mean i have friends who i go with out with dinner out for dinner with mm. they're so precise in what exactly they want from the menu you know yeah and sometimes I say, I mean, come on, you're not getting married to the menu. I mean, it's just a meal. <laughs> and it isn't absolutely the four-star expectation that you have in your head. It's okay, you know, because you will have another meal tomorrow. Just take the experience, you know. <laughs> exactly. And that brings me back to that movie, which is called When Harry Met Sally. And now oh, I got Harry it. Met Sally. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. But yeah, right. And that's what I mean, you know. It, it, it was made endearing and maybe it put forth the wrong message because we all got hooked onto this scenario, you know, where she is kind of con or I did, you know, like which I found super endearing and not seeing where it ends, where it brings us into total isolation because she couldn't connect to Harry with all her specific, yeah, specificity or however we want to call that between the two of us. And yeah, I, I am totally for letting go. Mm. I mean, and then you also realize that when, I mean, when you when you relax, and you're willing to open up to new experiences, there there, there are plenty to be had. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, and I think I mean, you know, when I when I I got uh, divorced, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, what I saw around me were guys my age who were sort of stuck. <clears throat> in a place and they and they felt like there was no way forward i mean all the fun had had been had already mm. and so what, what you know was waiting ahead was golf and old age and you know uh and and i think uh, well i haven't proven anything to anyone but myself that that this doesn't have to be like that yeah and i met some amazing experiences and I've met, you know, I have a, a new partner, there's a woman in my life that I met a couple of years ago and we have an amazing relationship and I made new friends in a new country and, yeah. um, and the life is beautiful. 
Yeah, and so when when I meet you, it's always so full of ease, you know, and it's in that ease and expansiveness, I see your creativity because you're a total art person uh, to me, you know, like you're, mm -hmm. you're art crafty in words and you're art crafty in vision and you worked, a, your previous career was around that as far as I know. And, um, but it, in order for us to be creative, we need to understand that we can't, regiment time all the time how we do it you know and become slaves to the clock and slaves to a career move that is only solely praised on production right yeah, yeah. Hmm. so it's all about well i can't preach to anyone but myself but i mean to me <laughs> it's it's all about um, um being open and accepting. If there's one and last, yeah. Hoping for the best. And I mean, I, I to this day, I, I always think the best is yet to come. Wow. And that makes life very, very exciting. Yeah. So I think this is a good point. It's good finish to our conversation. Yes. Thank you, Jon, for that and for making time to share a little bit of your journey. Thank you. My pleasure. In real, in in in, uh, in reality, next time without masks or any of all that bullshit. I hope so. I hope so, dearly. Hope so. And yeah, and to you, listener, really, if I want to finish this um, show or episode, I want you to really take that in. What Yon said, you know, just stay open, be curious, embrace life, and um, I see you soon in my next episode. If you enjoy listening to my podcast, please consider to become a patron at patreon.com slash alexandrakreis and pledge your donation.